1: Your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Rockets, your home for daily podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Van DuBose. As we chat on this Wednesday evening, it still appears to be largely status quo in terms of the trade negotiations, or lack thereof, between the New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets regarding Carmelo Anthony. Now, we have had some more indicators in recent days that Carmelo is not open to expanding his trade list be- beyond the Rockets. There was a report Monday from Bill Simmons about Oklahoma City as a potential destination, but since then we've had leaks both from Frank Isola and uh, Ian Begley of ESPN, Frank of the New York Daily News, so two guys, different organizations but both very credible, saying that Carmelo was only focused on Houston, and of course that, in addition to pushing back against the Oklahoma City rumor, it also pushes back against the ongoing notion of Cleveland, which is uh, somewhat understandable, because of course in the past, Carmelo has been open to going there, but the situation seems to have changed in terms of Houston becoming much more desirable once Chris Paul got there, and of course Cleveland, with all the instability that's going on there and everyone in the world seems to be aware of that, then that makes Cleveland less desirable than ever. So as I explained on Sunday, I don't think that Cleveland has been a true destination for Carmelo in some time, but because of prior reports, a lot of folks have wanted to see it spelled out that even though Houston is at the top of Carmelo's list, that he would, in fact, not approve a trade to Cleveland. And the language from Ian Begley of ESPN last night was pretty firm in saying that Cleveland is not really a destination for Carmelo at this point in time, especially when, according to multiple reports first cited by Jay Sports up in New York, that the Knicks verbatim told Carmelo, that he would be traded to Houston. Of course, that being earlier this month, right after the conclusion of the Tim Hardaway Jr. signing. So I think largely we're still where we were Sunday, but every report that comes out as far as Carmelo reassuring folks of his intentions of Houston and only Houston is big because even though he has a no-trade clause, a big part of why the Knicks are stalling this out, they do have time, and I think there are a couple of potential goals of this. The biggest goal, of course, is they hope that eventually... He'll blink before they do, and he expands his trade list. I don't think that's really realistic, but there's a small chance of that, and so I think that's part of why you hear a new team thrown out, it seems like, every two or three days. First it was Portland last week, then it was the revival of Cleveland talks, then it was Oklahoma City. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those leaks are from New York sources because it gets that name out there, talked about in the media, maybe you get some positive press about, hey, why isn't Carmelo thinking about this team, and who knows, some teams like Portland then might even have their players recruiting Carmelo the way Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum did in the aftermath of that. So I do think there's some behind-the-scenes string pulling going on with this, and while I don't expect it to work, I'm not Carmelo Anthony, I can't tell you 100% what he's going to do, so every time that he pushes back, not directly, but through a source such as Frank Azzola of the New York Daily News or Ian Begley of ESPN, then... It certainly backs up the notion that uh, Carmelo is prepared to wait the Knicks out, and if he's truly prepared to do that, then as I've explained on many prior episodes of this show, I do think the Knicks would blink before Carmelo does, and that's why the Rockets and most people around this deal, they don't know when it's going to get done, but they think that sometime before training camp, there's a high degree of confidence that Carmelo will be reporting to the Houston Rockets for this upcoming season. So... In terms of where things are at between the Knicks and the Rockets, I haven't seen any signs that a trade is any closer. There hasn't been any report of a revival in talks, although I'm not really expecting it. I don't think anyone, after the way things went earlier this month, wants things to be negotiated through the media. I don't think you're going to really see a report of the teams have re-engaged and then this dragging on for a few days. I don't think you'll see another, they're on the two-yard line or whatever it is. I think at this point... Everyone knows what the general parameters are. In fact, I don't really buy the notion that there's uncertainty over Ryan Anderson. I think there are some pretty clear takers for Ryan Anderson. It's just a matter of the Knicks being comfortable and eventually accepting whatever those teams are offering in a deal that they're a little bit uncomfortable with now. And who knows, maybe maybe those offers can increase a little bit. I think that's the other reason the Knicks are stalling. They do have time. I think in an ideal world, of course, Carmelo would have open up his list. That's what they're wanting, but I don't think that's going to happen. The other thing is that someone, the Rockets, or maybe Team 3 or Team 4, eventually just wants this deal to get over with and decides to kick in a little bit more from an asset standpoint. That's the other reason they might be stalling, and of course, they have that time. Nobody really has media availability, so it's not like this is really that awkward. It's all playing out behind closed doors. Trading camp is still two plus months away, so... While I think there's a high degree of annoyance on a lot of sides of this deal, there's really no deadline, so to speak. It's not essential to do this now rather than next week or even next month. So there is a little bit of time that that goes with this. And I think the secondary motivation for the Knicks might be getting one of these other teams to kick in an asset if they feel a greater sense of urgency just to wrap this up for whatever reason. But in general, my opinion from talking to a lot of people on different sides of this deal is that the parameters are in place. There might be a few little tweaks, but I don't really think there's an ongoing search around the league for new teams to get involved. I think it's a matter of there are parameters for various deals in place. There's probably one preferred deal, and it's just a matter of when the Knicks are ready to come back to the table and get this deal done. So because of that, I don't really expect to have that many updates through the media. I don't think you're going to hear that many reports about the teams re-engaging. They're back on the two-yard line. I think there's going to be a lot of quiet. And then one day, out of the blue, it's going to be done. And just like that, there'll be a press conference and then we're done with this whole thing. So while things are quiet today, I wouldn't necessarily say that talks are slowing. I think generally, we're at the same place we always have been, at least for the last couple of weeks, it's just a lot of these narratives that are out there, Cleveland, Oklahoma City, uh, Portland last week, they're media-fueled, and so it's something to talk about, but there's nothing uh, of substance when it comes to the actual negotiations or the fundamentals of the potential deal between the Rockets and the Knicks and what it's going to be. Now, the one thing I would buy as potentially being relevant to this is Portland's trade of Alan Crabb to the Brooklyn Nets yesterday which shed $14 million off of their payroll. Actually, more than that, because they got Andrew Nicholson, who they immediately waived and stretched from Brooklyn. So really, they're going to be saving uh, about $17 million in in uh, in terms of their cap figure. But more than that, they're going to be saving about $47 million in luxury taxes because, of course, the Blazers are over the tax, and this saves uh, owner Paul Allen a hell of a lot of money. And that's interesting to me because, of course, Portland's been speculated before as a potential team for Ryan Anderson, a third or fourth team. And I know there was a report that they wouldn't take Ryan Anderson, I never that they were focused on Carmelo only. As I said a couple of weeks ago, I never fully bought that. It never made sense that, that Portland was that far down the road and then decided suddenly, oh, we're doing Carmelo, or we're not in this deal at all. That makes no sense. Either Portland was never in it, or if they were in it, then there's something more at play. And there's been a couple of conspiracy theories thrown out by various writers that maybe... Portland is trying to get Houston to pay more, or they were having a hard time finding a taker for Myers Leonard, so they tried to spin it in a different way, or they tried to go after Carmelo because they know talks are off for a while, so they, they figured they might as well make a run at it. I don't know, but I don't think it's as simple as, well, Portland was involved, but then they decided they're not, and then the whole thing's over. I think that's just not really logical in terms of how GMs and front offices operate. But the reason the Alan Crabb thing is interesting is, is because he was a contributor last year to their rotation, a very viable 25-plus minutes-per-game player. And, of course, I know he's a swing man. He's a 2-slash-3, and Ryan Anderson's a 4, so there's not a direct fit in terms of Ryan Anderson replacing him per se. But what's interesting about this deal, Portland is very much in a win-now place. They're paying over $100 million in payroll. Even though they went just 41 and 41 last year, they don't really have any cap flexibility, capped out for at least the next two years. They have two guys, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, borderline stars, who are clearly coming, have a win now mentality, as evidenced by their pursuit of Carmelo Anthony and their open recruitment of him. So if you are just to essentially make a, a move, the deal of crab to the nets without getting anything in return and not doing anything else with your roster, that does nothing for them. The only thing it saves is money from the owner's pocketbook. That's it. It's not even like they're under the cap and now they have more flexibility to do something else. No, they're still above the cap. So if that's the only deal they do, it's almost like a middle finger to the players that, hey, even though you're wanting more help, I'm actually going to do the reverse and take more from you. I don't really believe that that's what's happening. And I think there's more play. Of course, there was a report from Mike Rice, former uh, Blazers television announcer for about 25 years, who said Monday night of this week that he had heard that Portland would be a third team in the Knicks-Carmelo trade and that, no, they would not be getting Carmelo. So that lends a little bit of credence to the idea as well. But in general, I don't think that the Blazers made that trade and then they're done for the summer because... First off, they have an extremely wealthy owner who's willing to pay the tax if it benefits the team, and I don't think that he's going to send a message after seeing his players openly recruit for Carmelo Anthony that, hey, not only are we not going to be able to get you Carmelo, but we're actually going to make your team worse and then go into the season because, you know what, that's begging guys like Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum to try and force their way out. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's setting up another move, something to at least shake things up and further bolster that roster. And... Well, I can't prove that it's Ryan Anderson, it could be someone else. I'm not going to say it's 100% that it's connected, but until Portland makes another move, then you have to be open to the possibility that, yes, that deal could be setting up a potential three-way in which they could be a taker of Ryan Anderson or anyone else involving a potential Carmelo trade to the Rockets. So I do think that's interesting because until Portland makes another move... I'm not convinced that they're done. I, I won't ever be until they report to trading camp because it just does not make sense, in my opinion, given the wealth of the owner, the desires of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum to just make a strict salary dump move and have nothing in the pipeline to replace those minutes. Because, again, Alan Crab's a guy who played legitimate minutes for them, a real rotation player last year, and a guy who just 12 months ago they thought enough of to give a $72 million contract. So I don't see them dumping for nothing in return other than savings for the owner's pocketbook. I think that's setting up something. And while I can't prove that it's Ryan Anderson, I do think logic tells you it's a pretty good shot that they could be eventually setting up for that move between the Rockets and the Knicks. Now, there hasn't been any report yet that the Rockets and Knicks are any closer. But as I explained just a couple of minutes ago, I don't think there will be. I think this is going to be something where when it's done, it's done. I don't think we're going to have any more two-yard line report because it just doesn't really benefit anyone in any sides of this deal to negotiate through the media, especially now that everyone has such a healthy degree of skepticism for these Carmelo reports based on how long it's drug out. Now, that's my perception of where the deal stands as we chat on this Wednesday evening. And the reality is, I know, there's really not that much new other than the Portland-Brooklyn deal, which might grease the wheels just a little bit. We're all kind of grasping at straws because... Ever since the Knicks issued that temporary pause, which has been uh, that'll be two weeks, two weeks ago tomorrow, then we've generally gone dark, and everyone's been kind of speculating. We've seen various pieces of information. Most recently, the Portland trade. Before that, it was the Kyrie Irving uh, trade request, and speculating is this related? Is are these moving pieces somehow related to Carmelo Anthony and this his ongoing situation with the Knicks and the Rockets? And of course, they could be, but. We really don't know, and we could speculate for hours on end, but at this point, all I'm comfortable in saying is that the Rockets still feel like they're going to get Carmelo, but we don't exactly know when that's going to be.
0: Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M.
1: And the reason I want to kind of transition with that is because for the remainder of this show, I want to have a discussion about sources. And I try and keep it serious on this show, but if you follow me on Twitter, at Den DuBose, you know I've been having a lot of fun the last few days with a certain Burt Steele on Twitter. And Burt, if you followed him for a few years, I'm not going to say that he's a complete fraud, I think, especially his report uh, two-plus years ago the Texans signing Cecil Shorts, which he reported their interest six days before. Anyone else even said that the Texans and Shorts were a potential match. I think somewhere along the line, he probably knows someone. That's an awfully random thing to just guess correctly. I think he certainly knows some people, whoever it is, I doubt Bert's his actual name because I've done just some digging. I can't find anyone named uh, Bert Steele with NFL, ESPN Insiders, Sporting News, whatever he uh, says he is on his Twitter account. But of course, for those of you who don't know who Bert Steele is, and I think that's probably very few of you, but he's a guy on Twitter who said that inside sources told him that by 5:45 on Tuesday that Carmelo would be a rocket. And, of course, 5.45 came and went in all time zones, and Carmelo was not officially a Rocket. So, uh, Burt's report did not turn out accurate. And, of course, there's been lots of other random insiders that you would have never heard of on Twitter that have, over the various weeks of this saga, have made declarative statements knowing how and when things are going to get done. And, of course, many have been inaccurate. Uh, The most accurate insider in terms of not known people has actually been our buddy Jay Sports up in New York, who of course reported earlier this month that the Knicks essentially told Carmelo and other players that he was being dealt to Houston. And to this point, I think that's absolutely true. I think they did tell Carmelo that. I think ultimately it's going to happen. And while it's not official to this point, it's certainly not like he was wrong because he never gave a timetable he didn't know. And when it comes to evaluating sources, because I know that's the biggest thing on Twitter, who can I believe? I'll start with the anonymous guys. Watch their demeanor. I'm not going to sit here and say that Some guy with 30 followers can't be accurate. No, especially these days, sources that know the players actually tend to leak more than any. I think most organizations, the Rockets, top to bottom, the Rockets have an almost leak-proof organization. It is remarkable how little the Rockets leak out. Now, other organizations, especially the Knicks, who seem to be a little more dysfunctional, uh, that's a little bit different. Their front office may reveal a few more things. But in general, across the league, teams are more savvy than they ever have been about leaks. So majority of what you see, a lot of it comes from agents and that community, which, of course, they're tied in with a lot of the national reporters, Woj, Sham uh, those types of guys. And then the other part is the leaks from the players. And I think on this side of the deal, it's pretty clear that when things really heated up earlier this month, Carmelo was told something, the Rockets, we had leaks that Harden, Nene, various players were all extremely confident that Carmelo was coming, and with players, yeah, some of them have friends that aren't media members, believe it or not, some of them hang out with very random people, and under the right conditions, have loose lips, so no, just because someone has 30 followers on Twitter because they don't have a blue check mark, it doesn't mean that information can't be true, it absolutely can be, so... Amongst those guys, I would say always, you know, if you can, look for the track record. You can tell a lot by how people have phrased things in the past. But beyond that, if they don't have a history, I would say watch the demeanor. One reason I always believed uh, Jay Sports, our buddy out of New York, is that he's been very level-headed. He never gave a specific time. He's acknowledged the possibility that he could be wrong. He's never outwardly promoted himself given any specific details that he didn't know, in general, he's been very secure of himself and aware of his limitations. And that degree of humility, the recognition and admittance that, hey, I don't know everything, I'm just one part of a very complex equation, that lends a lot of authenticity. And of course, Burke Steele's at the other end of the scale, because if you have someone that claims they know everything down to the moment the deal is going to break... Well, folks, 99% of those people are trolls just trying to boost their following on Twitter or trying to get a rise out of you. The main thing to look for, as I said, is just awareness and humility. And folks that, you know, are generally humble, that admit they could be wrong, those are people that, yeah, you might want to pay attention. They might know something. Because the reality is that, as far as Bird's Clay, not even the Rockets, not even Gerald Morey really knows when this deal is going to close because it's not really in anybody's hands but the Knicks. The Knicks are the team that walked away, so it's a matter of when they come back to the table. And I don't think there's going to be a long negotiation, because as I said, I think the parameters of various deals are in place. It's just a matter of when the Knicks are ready to say, hey, we've waited long enough, we're ready to just be done with this. And I don't even think Daryl knows the timetable. So if someone out there on Twitter, a random person, claims to know everything about the timetable, then, yeah, I think that's a clear sign that they're not really plugged in because, again, not only do the Rockets not know it, but when the Rockets do know it, I think we're going to be moving incredibly quickly in terms of a matter of hours and just finalizing things as quickly as when the Chris Paul trade came together in late June. I really don't think there's going to be a protracted. Okay, the Knicks are coming back, and now I think five or six days from now, or you know, Thursday at five forty-five, something's going to get done. No, I think it's going to be um, very quick, and it's just a matter of waiting. For the next, and when that call is going to come from either Scott Perry, uh, Steve Mills, whoever it may be in the next front office, to Daryl Morey. So, amongst anonymous sources, that would be my advice. Now, beyond that, anonymous sources, a lot of them are going to be wrong, but you can't just write off and say that they're 100% wrong because some of them, as evidenced by Jay sports are going to know things. Some of these people do know things. And so, it's, it would be incredibly arrogant to say, well, just because someone doesn't have a blue check mark and doesn't have followers, that they can't know things because little little guys know things all the time. For those of you that have been around Clutch fans for a while, think like back to was it 99 or 2000, but it was after Steve Francis had been drafted by Vancouver. Of course, he wanted to trade that deal broke. Someone in a Vancouver mall overheard an agent talking on the phone and, of course, reported that on Clutch Fans. And that ended up to being 100% true. The deal was finalized within a couple of days after that. So, yes, those scenarios are entirely possible. I know it's annoying that, that a lot of those people either aren't accurate and some of them do lie, but you can't just assume that every single person who doesn't have a blue check mark is lying because that's just not accurate. You just have to do the best job you can in terms of filtering. But where it gets more complex is actually evaluating between the blue check marks. And by that, I mean uh, credential media and people who do have access. And, of course, there's a top of the list. Guys like Wode Shams, those guys, their word is gold. Anything they say, I, well, I won't say 100% is accurate, but if it's wrong, then the situation probably changed. Generally, they're plugged in and they're getting an accurate assessment from someone at the time. The reality is that there are a lot of other reporters that are in the middle, and this is where it gets really dicey. And of course, here in Houston, you have folks that know the Rockets well, such as Jonathan Fagan of The Chronicle, Mark Berman of Fox26. Uh, you, you can even throw me in this mix, because I'm connected to Houston, but I'm certainly not that connected to New York. There are also various people, of course, on the New York side, such as Ian Begley of ESPN, Frank Ozzola of the New York Daily News, Mark Berman of the New York Post, and, of course, they're plugged in on the next side. They may not be that well well plugged in with the Rockets. And then, of course, there are people that are connected with the players, such as Carmelo. And I think that's the case with Jay sports and a few other people. But they might not be that connected with one of the, the other two teams. And where I think this is important to note is that when you look at reporters who aren't Woj or Shams, it's not a matter of are they trustworthy or not. It's a matter of realizing that there are three sides to this deal, at least three sides, the Knicks, Carmelo, and the Rockets. And maybe even more than that if you want to throw in the third and fourth teams. But amongst the principals, you have at least three with the Knicks, Carmelo's opinion because of the no trade clause, and the Rockets. And I see too often people saying so-and-so is good or so-and-so is bad. And I'll use one example. Knicks fans with Frank Izzola. They can't stand the guy because he's been harsh on the team, apparently. He's said things in the past that they don't like about the Knicks organization and they say the Knicks organization doesn't like him and they doesn't really have sources there. Well, first off, I don't really buy that he has no sources there. A guy who's, you know, the lead NBA columnist slash writer for the New York Daily News, a major, major paper in the largest city in the country and, of course, a frequent ESPN TV contributor, fully credentialed for every Knicks game. I don't really buy that he doesn't have sources in the organization somewhere, even if he's harsh from time to time about certain aspects of it. I don't I think that's incredibly naive. But beyond that, even if we want to say that the Knicks have blackballed him, the idea that some have that well because he's been accurate about something in the past or he's been harsh on the team that well everything he says is just 100% fake news, just put, you know, your hands in your ears, just what a lot of Knicks fans seem to have done, that's absolutely ridiculous and I I don't want to see our you know, media literacy decline to that point. You see that a lot in politics, unfortunately, and I really don't want to see that transfer to the sports world. The reality is things are not always black and white. There's a lot of nuance to this. And so my opinion is that you need to understand the various motivations at play with the various sides of this deal. And I'll keep going with the Frank Izzola example. I don't think he's really that plugged in from the Knicks. I'll buy that maybe he hasn't had that many friends in the organization because he's been a little harsh on them, and of course, the Knicks have not been a well-run organization for many years, so, by the way, it's completely justified for Frank to be harsh on them, but that's a different discussion. The point is, because he may not be that plugged in with the Knicks, does not mean that he cannot accurately report what he's being told by people close to Carmelo. That's kind of just a link that a lot of fans around this deal, and I would say a lot. it's just a media literacy thing, don't seem to get. There are three perspectives to consider, the Knicks, Carmelo, and the Rockets. And what Frank Azzola has been most forward throughout this deal in reporting is about Carmelo's mindset. And lately, of course, that's Carmelo being set on Houston and only Houston and not being willing to waive his no trade clause for Cleveland, Oklahoma City, Portland, or anywhere else. And of course, Knicks fans want to believe that Carmelo would open up his no trade clause because that would give them more leverage to get a better deal if he expands his list. So what you see a lot of times when Azola comes out with a report, you immediately have a lot of Knicks fans in his mentions or whatever aggregating site puts it out there saying, it's Ezola, it's BS, you can't trust it. And they act like that just discredits the entire reporting. And that's ridiculous. Because even if we accept the premise that he's not that well connected with the Knicks because the organization is angry at him or whatever over his reporting then that doesn't mean that Carmelo can't like him. Actually, it might make Carmelo's camp like him even more because they think that he's not going to take the organization's side. So that's what I would urge you guys to consider is that reporters are not just right or wrong. Generally, if you get to a level where you're a full-time reporter in a major market like New York or Houston covering one of the biggest teams in the city, one of the biggest teams in the world in the case of the Knicks, you're not just lying and making up news you know because you feel like it these people do have real sources they talk to people that are very close to this deal and including the principals involved it's just there are various motivations here a lot of the sides are kind of pitted against each other right now, and so if you're supporting one side or another, it's easy to look at a source that's reporting the other side and say, well, they don't know, and they're fake, and that's not the reality. Frank may not know the next perspective, but it doesn't mean he's just fake news and you just tune out everything he says. No, he's accurately reporting Carmelo's mindset, and Carmelo's mindset is a huge part of this story because Carmelo with a no trade clause, if he does not open up his list, then that really boxes the Knicks in, and it takes all these other possibilities off the table, And I would say the same thing, you can apply it to me, you can apply it to other reporters in Houston. I can tell you guys a lot about the things I've heard and I have, but the vast majority of my sources, now I know some people and I've developed some relationships over this process with people that are close to the Knicks, but I certainly don't have any first hand sources in the Knicks organization. If I have a first hand source, it's within the Rockets. So generally what I learn, it's the Rockets perspective, and is that important? Sure it is. But again, the Rockets are only one-third of this equation, if we divide it all in thirds. And, you know, we can debate for days exactly what percentage each team has. But I think you all get my point here, which is that a reporter that's not a Woj or Shams, they're not going to be right or wrong. Generally, they all have their own lanes. I'll use the LeVar Ball discussion, and I'm not going to say they need to stay in their lanes. What I'm going to say is you recognize that they're reporting something in a given lane, and it's probably not accurate of the entire deal as a whole, because where the entire deal as a whole is depends on where all three of these lanes come together. But most people that are reporting, I don't think there are many, if any, that you just immediately discount and say, wow, that guy's guy's just BS. I don't believe it. No, they're generally all reporting something. It's just a matter of understanding what who their sources probably are, and whose mindset they're reflecting. And of course, as I said, uh, I think Frank Itzola, it's pretty clear that he's in with Carmelo's camp, and Knicks fans don't like what he has to say, but that doesn't mean he's not credible, it's just he's reporting a different side of the deal. And I've had a lot of Knicks fans, I've seen a lot of my tweets and podcasts embedded on certain Knicks blogs, and they don't like what I have to say. Well, again, my sources are plugged in from Houston. And they're hearing the Houston side of the deal and also, to a lesser extent, Carmelo's because Carmelo's desires in Houston, in this case, are one and the same. But I think we're seeing way too much of a tendency from fans on a lot of this deal is when you see a reporter that's on one of these other sides, especially if it's one that opposes uh, opposes their own, then they just say, well, that guy's fake news, you can't trust him, and everything is just 100% discredited. And I don't want our, again, media literacy to kind of devolve into that the way we see it so often do in in politics. Because the reality, most people in media are good. Most people, especially the level of New York and Houston, they're very qualified journalists. They do their homework. There are people in the Houston media that I'm not crazy about. Most of them, I respect them. They may not be my style. They may not approach it the same way. But if there are certain people that, you know, I may not click on their article every single time, but if they report something, I'm also not going to think that it's false. I'm going to think it's probably true. Just because they look at things a little differently than I do doesn't mean that what they're saying is false. They're just looking at it from a different perspective. And many times they have sources on a different side of things than I do. And so we need to be aware of our biases. We also need to be aware of where the sources are coming from. So whatever I see people on Twitter, and I've seen a lot, saying, is so-and-so trustworthy? My general answer is, it depends. And other than a few national reporters, Wode, Shams, Ramona Shelburne, Zach Lowe, uh, Chris Haynes, people of that tier. Generally, I think people are, there are a lot of very, very good, re- good reporters that are around this deal on the New York side, the Carmelo side, and the Houston side, but they're experts on one side of it. And if they say something and then it doesn't come true, it doesn't mean they lied to you. It means it's incredibly complex because this deal coming together means all three sides have to eventually come together or at least come to a compromise. And as far as when that's going to be, It's hard to say. Generally, reporters are trying to do the best they can, but most only have firsthand sources on one side. So they're trying to give you the best information they can. It's just not complete. And I think what's important for you guys to understand as media consumers on Twitter, don't be harsh or overly harsh, I have to say. Yeah, I'm not saying that you have to treat everyone with kid gloves. But if someone says something and it's not 100% accurate or the deal doesn't happen on the timetable that maybe you were hoping – it's not because the person lied. They're generally trying to do the best they can. And as long as they don't report it to be more than it is, and I'll go back to the Frank Azola example, I don't think he's reporting other than the one, and of course that was co-authored, the one two-yard line report. And I don't even think a two-yard line report was wrong, by the way. I've heard people between the Rockets tell me the deal was, quote, almost there. I think that was actually was accurate at the time, the two-yard line, and the Knicks inexplicably decided to pull back the next day. So even that, I'm not convinced was incorrect, but generally folks around this deal aren't going to act like that when Frank Azola says what he said the last few days about Carmelo's state of mind, he's not professing that that makes the deal any closer to reality. He's just saying that's what Carmelo's thinking, and it's important. So if the deal doesn't then happen, it doesn't mean he was wrong, it doesn't mean that that, that he was lying, because generally he's not saying more more than he knows. And as long as someone is just comfortable saying what they know and is not projecting that, hey, this is going to mean a deal happens on X time frame, then just relax. These people are trying to do the best job they can. And I think generally the media coverage has been pretty good on this deal. It's been the, uh, you know, it's been the Knicks more than anything else in my opinion that have made this as dramatic and long-lasting as it, as it's been. So... In closing, that would be my kind of wrap up of the media landscape is it's not so much a matter of there are guys you can trust and there are guys that you can't trust it's more understanding where each source is coming from who they who their first hand people are, and then realizing that hey there are three sides of the deal that have to come together, and just because this is reflective of you know this one side at this point in time, it may not fully be uh accurate of what the other side is thinking at the same time. So I generally think the media coverage has been okay, despite there being a lot of criticism. I think generally folks just want this to be over with, and, uh, you know, I, I do as well, but it's important to realize that I don't think there are very many, you know, fake news reporters, or really I don't believe in that term in general, but I don't think there's that much fake news around this deal. There's been a lot of very interesting media discussion. I think it's been a very challenging and complex story, and I've really enjoyed it. And the frustration I have, of course, I want this thing to get done. But ultimately, I think the Knicks, and specifically the Knicks front office, that's the biggest reason it's not done. It's certainly not false reporting in the media, getting your hopes up. Now, there might be a few that had blatantly trolled, but again, those people, especially guys like Burt Steele, you should really see that coming from a mile away. And I, I, I tried to described that earlier but i think you know the more you experience yourself to twitter and the media i think the easier it is to get to get a hold on you you know what sources have the right demeanor and might be genuine and what sources are generally trying to uh get attention because generally if someone is trying to get attention in a cheap way then yeah a lot of those guys are also going to be willing to stretch the truth just a little bit so anyway i will wrap up the show there again thanks as always to you guys for listening Again, I'm your host Ben Dubose. You can follow me on Twitter at ben dubose. This is Lockdown Rockets, the show. You can follow us on Twitter at lockdown rockets or email us lockdown rockets at gmail.com. Questions, suggestions, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better program. So, uh, with that said, I will wrap it on this Wednesday, and I'll talk to you guys again towards the end of the week when we see what else shakes out on the Carmelo rumor front as we get closer to the weekend and Mellow Watch enters. Uh, Well, it officially started on June 28th after the Chris Paul trade to Houston. So we're actually going to be entering the second month, unless this thing finishes in the next day or two. So as we uh, enter into month two of the never-ending Mellow Watch, stick with us right here at Locked on Rockets, and I will keep you covered. For now, have a good night.